Welcome to the Global Digital Banker. My name is Adele Grissaf and this is RFI Group's Insight-backed podcast focused on key trends, thought leadership and best practice within the fast-growing and dynamic world of digital banking. On today's episode, Sarah Hollentent speaks with Laurent Lemoyle, CEO at PayU, to discuss their recent partnership with Creditech and expansion into consumer credit, their plans to increase the financial freedom of people with limited access to banking services, and the specific market segment they'll be targeting in order to achieve this. Such an honor today to be joined by Laurent Lemoyle, who is CEO of PayU. And today we're going to be talking about bridging that credit gap between banked and underbanked populations. So thanks so much for joining us today. Hello, Sarah. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Can you start by sharing a bit about PayU? Absolutely. So, so PayU, that is looking after payments and broader financial services. Mm-hmm. My job was to look after the business around the world, consolidate it. The second thing was to move from pure payments to financial services. And by that, I mean really credit, yeah. consumer credit. But also to move from being a pure operator to also being an investor. That's why we've been leading a lot of investments across fintech startups in the world. And we have deployed over the past 18 months more than $300 million of mm. investments. And one of the parts of you launching into that credit, consumer credit world is the launch of Pay You Money Do, uh, which was in March. So congratulations on that. I know it's a partnership with Creditech and a really amazing step into that side of things. So can you talk more about uh, the background of this partnership and, and sort of what the big goal is with this? Absolutely. So before we talk about the, the product and the partnership, I want to give you a bit more context about the opportunity we're mm. going after. This opportunity is really about giving the possibility to the mass market, really, to access financial services like consumer credit. If you look at a country like India, we are truly going after a segment of the population which is called the aspirants. We're talking about 40 million households, okay? And what it means is the 1% of the population, that's true all around the world, is pretty well served by the banks, right? You have a big job, stable, with, you know, salary coming to your bank account. You have a credit card. You're spending online. You're traveling abroad. Everybody wants your money. What about the second segment of the population called the aspirers, which is coming to the market? Younger, okay? They have a job, but sometimes less stable. They have a bank account, but it doesn't mean that they have a credit history. Therefore... They are not really visible. They are invisible to the Mm. typical credit system. They don't exist for the credit bureaus. This is a part of the population that also have the means, you know, and the disposable income to buy online. All right. This is the segment that we're going after. And we want to offer them the possibility to have responsible consumer credit for them. And to have consumer credit that is purely designed for mobile experience so that they don't have to fill out, you know, papers and so on, purely designed for, for this new experience. And using the data that we have to actually, you know, manage the risk. So that's the overall context. And we, you mentioned India. Are you seeing any geographical differences in that opportunity? So I mentioned India because it is true that today it's one of our biggest markets, you mm. know, uh, for, for PayU. This year, we're going to do around $30 billion of volumes 
more than one third will ah. come from India alone. Mm. And this is a market that is growing at 70% year on year for online payments. So huge opportunity. But actually, more than differences, I see commonalities across the growth markets. By the way, we say growth markets because I truly believe that saying emerging markets, when you talk about, you know, India, for instance, they are much more advanced than anything I've seen in payments. And I've been in payments for 15 years, mm. of which 10 at PayPal. They are far more advanced than many, many things we see in Europe or in the US. Yeah, especially the digital ID space, right? They're just world leading. I see more commonalities because this segment of consumers, you find the same segment in Latin America, talking about Brazil, but the rest of LATAM, where we are present, by the way. Mm. I see the same opportunity in Central Eastern Europe, from Poland down to the Czech Republic, and the same in Africa. These are all the markets we serve. In each of these geographies, the fastest growing parts of the consumers is this new middle class. Mm. And they are not served by the banks. Not because, you know, they don't want to. It's just because the classic credit bureau system is not designed for this opportunity. The new players like us, basically, we have three assets. The first one is we have payments data. People buy online. People pay their bills right? People exchange money between them. This mm-hmm. generates tons of information through your payments. We capture this as a payments player. The second thing is we have a distribution network. We serve more than 300,000 merchants around the world. These are merchants that sell mostly through their mobile. More than 70% of the volumes is only on mobile. And all of these merchants want to give affordability, as they say, you know, to their consumers. So they want a credit solution. Um, So it means that we have the distribution. We can design a product and push it to all of these merchants uh, quite easily. And the third one is, as a group, we have the capacity to make investments in Mm -hmm. startups ourselves. And coming to credit tech, what we needed to go after this opportunity was to have the capability to do credit scoring. It's easier said than done, of course. And we started working with Credit Tech actually more than 18 months ago. We started designing a product together for the online world. We started to share data with them. They provided the credit scoring capability, the machine learning capabilities. This product that we launched in Poland first was hugely successful. So we decided, okay, we should have the same approach in India. And to make it more real as a partnership, we also decided to invest in Credit Tech. Mm. That's how, you know, we invested more than $110 million, you know, in the company becoming the larger shareholder so that they really had the funds to come to India. Mm. And on that basis, we launched a product uh, actually six weeks ago called Payumonedo, one of the very first products purely designed for mobile in India, giving the possibility to customers to pay in installments. So you've got the installment element of it and the having a credit score and the sort of opportunities that customers have from having that. Yep. Can you give some real examples of how consumers are and small businesses are using your services now that they're able to sort of get that wider mm. access to financial services? Yeah, absolutely. First, when we think of credit, we think of a complete range of products, Mm -hmm. right? So, Payumonedo is the installment product. 
The concrete example is one of our biggest merchants in India is called Only Mobiles. As the name says, you know, <laughs> they sell mobiles. Yeah. Uh, this is a country where mobile is king. If you want to buy the new Samsung S9, you need to have the solutions, you know, to pay in installments. So the concrete example for us is we design this product for this type of merchants when they can offer, without risk for them, an installment product of three, six, nine, twelve months to their consumers. That's one. So they see an increase in sales. Actually, they started with that product. On the first two weeks, they saw 70% jump in sales. The affordability issue was solved for them. Mm. The second thing is from the consumer point of view, there you have a solution that is really designed for you, meaning that you don't need a credit card to be able to take this loan. The second thing is you don't need to fill any papers and so on. We know enough about you the moment you click that button so that we can give you a loan in two minutes. And by the way, two minutes, it's as good, if not better, than most of the online credit experience that you can get in Europe. Mm. Okay? But that's one specific product. We have also other products. One is a buy now, pay later. Um, what if, you know, you could just press a button, buy now, and actually pay later, right? Pay in two weeks for your small purchase. It's more about convenience. So we launched a product also called LazyPay. LazyPay is really small tickets items, buy now, pay later, very small loan, two weeks to repay. And actually, this has been a huge success, mm. especially on food delivery app. Food delivery is big in India, but it's growing extremely fast. And here we have basically found a way to give convenience to the consumer just to pay in one click, right? And settle the bill later. So small tickets, and actually it's free for the consumer. Why do we do this? Because for most of these consumers, it's the first time actually that they have a credit product, yeah. that they subscribe to a small credit, the first time. So there's a lot of education about, you know, you're taking a very small loan, it's 20%, you know, rate, but you're going to repay in two weeks, this is how it works, a lot of education. We've seen the repeat purchase, you know, coming, so the merchants love it. Yeah. And for us, what it means is we get a lot of data and we get a lot of information about who are the good consumers. So then you can imagine when you have this type of product, then we can, of course, offer you another type of loan like Pelumonedo. And the third one is more a direct line of credit to you consumers that then you can use on any website. Mm -hmm. So we, we are thinking about the whole portfolio of products, but what is clear is the brands are different, the products are different, the way we market them is different, but at the end of the day, in the back end, it's the same technology that we use for data and the same credit scoring. Mm -hmm. And we have teams of data analysts in India, but also in LATAM, or in Africa and Europe, working on the models. Because even if we are a global company, I truly believe in a, a, in a regional model and regional setup. Mm. I mean, you're essentially providing the services that a credit card gives to people, but without this sort of almost archaic system in a mobile world of having a physical credit card, and you're also making it accessible to people that don't have that history. 
which is it's an incredible model. And obviously, there's a an element of risk involved when you're talking about credit. And you've expanded very rapidly and very successfully across these growth markets, as you call them. But what have been some of the challenges for you? To be honest, we're still working through it, right? Okay, <laughs> yeah. it's still it's still early days. <laughs> Look, at the end of the day, when you're building a credit business, what I say to the team is. It's extremely easy to build a $1 billion loan book in 12 months, and then it explodes, you know, basically in your face. So my point on that is, it is not about scaling that business too quickly. Um, the biggest challenge we had was first, when we launched a product, we use our balance sheet, okay? So we designed a product, we provisioned the credit, we have the, the loan on our balance sheet, right? So we do the full service. Um, the first challenge for us was, let's make sure that first we fine-tune the product for the consumer, but let's make sure also that we know how to manage risk. So I'll give you an example. We started, you know, 12 months ago with LazyPay. We started with more than 20% loss rate on day one, right? With spikes, ups and down. Mm. So, okay, it was still a small amount, but you can see that it's not a sustainable business. 12 months from, from the launch, now we are at 3.5% you know, uh, losses, which is actually the same rate as a prime consumer in India. So here I can say, okay, the team has got better and better you know, at iterating in the model. Mm -hmm. Now it's a good time to start scaling the volumes. So that was the first challenge. The second one is when you do credit scoring and the modeling, the payments data is highly predictive, but it's not enough, actually. Mm. The more data sources you can use, the better. Not all of them are equal. Some elements of data is not that predictive. We could talk about social data. Well, I was going to bring that up. Yeah, so what is your perception on that, the social data, obviously as part of a package with the payments data and others, but what are your thoughts on that? What I would say is not one single source yeah. is enough. You've got to have it all to build the whole yes. picture of that person. And that's yeah. certainly true about social data. Mm. Of course we use it, but it is not enough to actually be really predictive in to your ability to repay. In its literal sense, is it, you can see that someone goes for beers every Friday night, so you assume they've got some money. <laughs> how, does it, how does it sort of work? So actually, you know, on that, the, the, the challenge I was talking about, you need to have multiple data sources mm. and use them in your model. Okay, not one is enough, of course, right? So the challenge is really how you get access to all this data and how you manage privacy. That one is key because the point is not about we are compliant with the law. It's how the law is shaping in the future and how we're going to be compliant, you know, in the next two years with that, especially in markets where actually privacy, you know, is of course of a big concern like everywhere around the world but the regulation is also shifting very rapidly mm. is gdpr having a direct impact at all I, I think at least for our business in europe absolutely yeah right but the point is more like if you're in india or in latam what is the model you're going to use for that mm. is it a gdpr model is it something else to be reinvented so that's a discussion that we're having right now but I think, you know, uh, the challenge around access to data, the privacy laws, and then how you're going to use it, not just for your own purpose, but actually, once you start doing this, we have payments credit, but also a third business, which is a pure data business. And we are starting to sell actually credit scores to banks themselves. So now, 
we already have the situation where some financial institutions come to us and ping basically, you know, our servers to have a credit score back mm. for consumers that they don't know anything about. So that's quite unique. So that part of the business, I think, is really exciting. Um, but the challenge is around the data. Mm. The third one is, in, in the grand scheme of things, you know, you would want to have one credit model, you know, running around all the consumers around the world and so on. Actually, we don't see it as really possible. We truly believe, as I was saying, that on a regional model, market by market, there's a limit to this globalization, honestly. By the way, I think fintech does not travel very well. If you look at the big fintech players, very, very few truly are international. You know? And it's not that easy. Mm. I think for us, what we see is the problematic might be the same. The themes might be the same, but actually the way to solve it requires different uh, regional you know, responses. So um, we have another product in Colombia, oh. like Les Ipe, called Peu Tefia. So like I trust Peu, right? Same product, small loans, buy now, pay later. Actually, it's quite interesting. The data sources are almost the same, but which part of the data is more relevant is different. Okay. So that's one, that was one learning, right? Um, the second thing is actually, you know, from the ability to repay, etc. then you can infer different marketing, you know, messages that are completely different from India. So the point here is like, you also need to have the local expertise to make it work. And, and I think that's one of the assets that we have, by the way, as a group, is we are really distributed, you know, across all of these markets, so we can make these changes happen. But that one is fascinating, yeah. Mm, and I, I agree with the, the comment on fintechs, even expanding just within Europe. People think you can tackle Europe as one big task. It's like you've got a mountain of different countries, completely different. They're going to uptake your product in completely different ways. And you've got to do that slowly and understand that. progressively. But in those markets that you're in, so predominantly India, LATAM, and some parts of Africa, I believe. And Central Eastern Europe. So and we Central have Eastern 17 Europe. markets, yes. Yeah, so across those 17 markets... Um, what do you think are the biggest opportunities for other fintechs and banks coming into play, particularly in the credit space? Payments. I think payments is, is a game of scale right now. So mm. I see less and less opportunities, to be honest. It's, it's more about consolidation. That's certainly the game we are playing. Um, financial services, huge opportunity around consumer credit, and it's still the beginning. However, I see things evolving extremely rapidly uh, because it's, it's really a race around data consolidation, and access to distribution. So we've seen a flurry of startups in all of these markets. I can already start seeing, you know, that they are they will plateau very soon just because they lack access to distribution. Mm. And when you start scaling your business, you also need a strong balance sheet. That will be one limitation. Opportunity around merchant financing. Fantastic opportunity. In most of, of, of these markets, you know, when we talk about small businesses, these are really small businesses that are actually more like an individual, you know, a sole prop, you know, business. And actually, we're starting to go into this market because we underwrite these small businesses as if it were an individual, mm. right? Uh, this is a big opportunity here. The classic debate, you know, of fintech disrupting banks, well, let's be clear. Uh, in most of these markets, access to low cost of capital and balance sheet. I mean, there is no disruption of basic economics on how to make money and credit, right? So I think in these markets, it's even more important to be able to partner 
with the classic banking system. Mm. Certainly for us, that's what we're doing, right? Um, to leverage someone else's balance sheet to actually scale faster. So that's really around credit. Um, there's a big window. It's not going to be there for too long. Then there's the rest of fintech, which we try to make sense of that, you know. Basically, we are talking about what are the f four big pools of revenues. There is payments, there is uh, credit, right? Um, there is uh, advisory, and then there is deposits. Mm -hmm. So the last two, I think it's just the beginning. That one is still the beginning. So we spend a lot of time actually talking to the challenger banks, digital banks in Europe or, or in the US, but predominantly actually in Europe, right? Yeah. Um, we've come to the conclusion, we've put them in two buckets. One big bucket, especially in the UK, I'm a better bank for the millennials or I'm a better bank for everyone. Um, I still have to understand truly why are you better? That might be my personal bias, but why are you better? The second thing, you're not going to disrupt anything with a few hundred thousand you know, customers. That's another one. And then you have other banks, other players that I think are really interesting because they come from at least one specific use case. One could be, I'm going to give you free effects. One is going to be about, I do a better job at sending money around the world, you know, versus the banks. But at least they have one clear use case. Mm -hmm. And they start owning the customer, you know, and they start having the data, they start having the volumes, they start having the relationship and the trust and the brand. And then on top of that, you start banking the more classic, you know, banking products like deposits, for instance, or you start selling credit. So my point on that is we believe first in having a clear, clear, you know, use case for the consumer and then building, you know, other, I would say, classic banking services like deposits. The second thing is for years, we've talked about the unbundling of banking. Mm. Well, we see, you know, a lot of, uh, of the, the digital banks, you know, uh, fundraise uh, coming to us. Actually, they all rely on rebundling to make money uh, because one single service is not enough yeah. to actually make money. For and them. it's often not a revenue driving service to capture the, the amount of customers that they want to have on board. Plus, let's be clear, the third one is we see some of the players, you know, having a very focused business, yeah. which just become then a feature of someone else, big digital bank. Yeah. So I think this space is fascinating, certainly in Europe, and I think you have some really, really great teams going after that. Certainly, you know, you see the money going into that, into that space so that they have more resources to expand. As we see that expanding, actually, we are preparing ourselves to make our own moves in digital banking. Uh, that one, especially, you know, in LATAM, and, and to be specific, more Brazil, uh, and, and India as well. Um, but I think for us, the angle we are, com we, are, we are coming from is first we build a consumer credit business mm -hmm. and from that we will go to digital banking. Mm -hmm. uh, with the classic, I give you consumer credit and then yes, I can give you also deposits. It will lower the cost of capital and so on and so on and so on. But definitely digital banking, it's there. Uh, the second thing is all around advisory and uh, insurance. Um, huge opportunity. As you see, again, this new middle class coming, disposable income raising means, you know, e-commerce is going up and attraction for basic financial uh, products, you know, like ETFs and so on. But basically, I make enough money to save money. Mm -hmm. So now give me a solution, actually, to invest it in low risk, very easy products. Here again, when you're part of the 1%, 
the bank will look after you. But when you are not part of that small uh, population, actually, what are the opportunities? Mm -hmm. And here we see some of the players really starting to get traction, starting very small in terms of assets under management, but growing rapidly. Again, it's almost a change of behavior there as well. Like you said, with credit, it's about easing customers in to change their perceptions of those financial services. And I think advisory is where we see that a lot on investments, is making those small incremental investments and people then feel comfortable to then grow from there. It's absolutely. And and look, these markets are growing extremely rapidly. Mm. Yet for us, we take the the long-term view. I mean, this is five to 10 year game. You know, that's what we've learned also from Tencent in China. Uh, the numbers are huge <laughs> and they start to become huge, of course, when you, you start getting all these network effects. But the buildup, you, you need to give yourself some time yeah. to, to get it right. And then it will go very quickly. Uh, if you look, by the way, uh, uh, at the growth of all of these economies, you know, uh, India is already, you know, the fifth largest economy. Yeah. Um, so the opportunity is there. Um, but so digital banking advisory um, insurance, here again, another sector where we are talking about basic, you know, insurance coverage. As people, you know, move up the ladder, disposable, you know, income and also um, ways of living are are changing. Uh, Insurance really becomes a product that now is in their list, you know, of I shouldn't think about this. Mm -hmm. It's our job, you know, to make it really um, easy for them to, to subscribe to that. So, here again, I see a lot of opportunities. For us, at the end of the day, it's all going to be built around payments, business, generate you know, data. That is the basis you know, for us to go into the, the consumer financing and the merchant financing. And from there, from that angle, moving into more classic digital banking. Mm. It's an incredible offering that you have, and it's clear what that journey is going to be. And I'm sure everyone around the globe is going to be watching. So thanks so much for sharing uh, a bit of an overview into what you're doing and the opportunities around credit in these growth markets uh, and also sort of what the future opportunities are. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. To view the show notes from this episode, head to globaldigitalbanker.com. To get in touch with us, check out our Instagram, Global Digital Banker, Twitter at GDB Podcast, or on Facebook under Global Digital Banker Podcast. If you're interested in being a part of the show or would like to let us know what you think of this episode, email us at gdbpodcast at rfigroup.com.